Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is the company. Ari's here in the Finley Toyota Studios. We'll talk to our buddy Justin Watkins in just a little bit, about 10 minutes away from our uh, ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. All right, well, crazy day. The show was all set just a little while ago, but uh, we find out around UNLV football that, uh, you know, the guy we discussed a lot as a uh, interesting yet risky choice because of his reputation, Bobby Petrino, as the offensive coordinator. If you're not on social media today, you may not know. He has taken another job, so he's going to bail, a la Chris Beard. Difference is not the head coach of one of the programs, but offensive coordinator. But he is going to bail. There were rumors before he took the UNLV offensive coordinator gig that he was in the mix for the OC job at Texas A&M. Apparently, A&M... Something came through, and AM made him an offer, I'm thinking, yesterday. And Bobby Petrino is now off to Texas A&M, and UNLV is without an O coordinator. Interesting stuff. Uh, good timing today. We'll have Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback on and UNLV analyst, in our 5 o'clock hour. Can't say I'm shocked by this. I can only imagine how Barry Odom, the football coach, for UNLV feels, but I think the response for most people would be like, well, I mean, you kind of signed up for the risk of Bobby Petrino because it wasn't just, as we discussed, when he got hired. Um, I wasn't so much into the, hey, the outrage over marital infidelity and, you know, acting like a jackass and planting a bike with uh, your side piece on it. It was more the history of bailing on jobs very abruptly, and he's done it again. Yeah, and I remember we were, I believe we were, at one of our remotes, and you had said, Willie, we didn't get a chance to actually ask you about the Petrino hire. What's your take? And I said, yeah. And I said just exactly what you just said. Um, I think if we all look into everybody's closets, there's going to be some skeleton bones, but it's more so, is he going to stick around? And so uh, when you started your monologue today, you said risky, and you kind of talked over it and didn't say why, but risky is because this guy has a reputation for bailing. And... What are we, 20 days in? Roughly? 20 days in and he's gone. Uh, 20 days he's gone. Chris Beard lasted 18. So he he barely surpasses what happened with Chris Beard. So we'll get some more of Bobby Petrino going bye-bye from UNLV. UNLV released a statement. Barry Odom said, hey, we'll announce a new o, o- coordinator pretty soon. You have to. The transfer portal is opening back up again. Uh, recruiting is well underway. I'll give you a note from their quarterback commit that they'd got just a couple of days ago. I talked to one of his um, we'll, we'll say Camp Boda, Blake Boda, a kid out of Cocoa, Florida. Talked to one of his camp members, and I'll give you some details on that in just a little bit. And like I said, we'll get a reaction from Caleb Herring. But, you know, still the biggest story around sports, and especially the NFL, is DeMar Hamlin as we wait for more updates on the player who had a heart attack on the field during Monday Night Football. And, you know, a big story has become sort of the reaction from different people in the media and that – Skip Bayless tweet, which uh, yesterday we waited until probably 5.54 to talk about it. I'm still where I was when I saw the tweet. I don't understand the uproar over it. Uh, Now, we can get into that in a little bit, but 
Shannon Sharp was out yesterday on their show on FS1. He showed up today. They gave him the floor to start, and this was riveting television. Good to see you, Shannon. I understand you have something you want to share. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So they struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Okay, you got it, right? You got it with Shannon Sharp. He played the game. It's jarring for football players. They know that you know something crazy can happen on the field. I don't think many imagine having a heart attack on the field and having to be revived uh, back to life on the field. And apparently with Hamlin, his family said his heart stopped again when he first got to the hospital. So they had to bring him back to life a couple of times. Now, I think the other reason he wasn't there yesterday, and he said, I don't want to get into conjecture and innuendo, is that when there's controversy around your co-host, you have a choice. You can ride it out with them, or you can choose to, you know what, you're going to have to take care of this yourself. And I think that's what Shannon Sharp did yesterday, and uh, Skip apologized for some reason. I didn't. I don't know what he was apologizing for. I thought the tweet was fine. Um, the apology was not an apology. He just basically apologized for... The fact that they were going to do a sports show, which, by the way, I saw a lot of people yesterday bailing on doing sports content. Uh, we were told by someone else they weren't allowed to talk NFL on their show. What are we, 11? Like, we can we can grieve and, and take the injury, and it's a very serious injury, a near-death injury to Hamlin. Seriously, we can deal with that, but also still do sports. The immaturity yesterday, and there was a lot of people behind the scenes, not here. But other places, like, you can't talk NFL out of respect. Respect? What are you, what are you talking about? Re- respect for the guy who's fallen? I mean, so dumb. So that was just the beginning of what Shannon Sharp was given the floor to say. And then he got to this. Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yes. Time out. Time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand but, by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me, All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you I were going to bring no, up No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into, okay. your, not get into your, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. Shades of uh, Cofield and company when uh, Cofield and Willie are on. The floor is yours. Go ahead. I don't want to speak over you. <laughs> I was going, actually, I was going to interrupt you earlier, and then I was like, I know where we're going, so I'm going to leave it. But I do just want to point out one thing, and I don't mean to correct you, but I do kind of just want to clarify there is a major difference between cardiac arrest and a heart attack. So, as long as with the vernacular is proper, heart attack when blood flow to the heart is blocked, sudden cardiac arrest when the heart malfunction suddenly stops beating, cardiac arrest much more rarer, but they're more deadlier. So I just wanted to, because you had referred to it twice, and I don't know if they've changed it from cardiac arrest to heart attack, but just so we're on the same. So your reaction to that part of the conversation? I agree 100% just for the fact with? that it's the opening. Skip. No, with Shannon. Okay. Yeah, that he should, you know, it's just like 
It's just like when you open the show. I mean, we all do it at some point. We talk over one another throughout the show. But at the very beginning, and he's making a statement after not being there, just shut up and let him finish. Because you kind of know. Like, we know what the three is. Like, you're going you're gonna to introduce, and then you go, hey, Willie, how's it going? Or we're going to introduce the show. But if we have a pre-show meeting, and it's stated, hey, we're not bringing up the tweet. And then you bring up the tweet. You just broke the agreement before the show. I have no idea if that was in the pre-show meeting. Could have been. So Shannon Sharp goes rogue, wants to bring up the tweet. Skip's like, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to bring up the tweet. And then he throws in the little barb there about, hey, the bosses wanted you to correct it. And Skip's like, no, that's not the case. Well, that's because he said nobody had a problem with it. Skip said nobody had a problem with it here. And he said, obviously, they wanted you to make an explanation. Skip said, no, we don't know what the pre-show meeting was. But Skip said, I didn't think that we were going to bring it up. I think he was trying to make the point what, with why, because the insinuation was he didn't come on the show because of Skip's tweet. So I think he was going somewhere with it and saying, Skip had a tweet out there, with which with I, which, with I hope he will take down. We don't know what he was going to say, but I have a feeling he was going to say, that's not why I didn't come on the show. But he never got to finish. So I don't think that they were going to discuss the tweet as much as he was going to. You kind of had to address his opening, which was there was speculation as to why I wasn't here. What was the speculation? The tweet. So you kind of got to glance over. He wasn't going to. All he said was, I disagree with it. Thought he would take it out. He didn't debate it. Skip should have just let him finish and then said, I'm not going to take it down. I love I love live TV. So then everyone starts getting huffy and puffy. It gets kind of silent. Then it's almost like they tried to restart the show. Like, hey, the show is running, bro. What are you you trying to restart it? I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with that tweet. No, clearly the bosses wanted you to offer explanations. So clearly somebody. No, they did not have. Nobody. Let's go, Jay. Thoughts and prayers remain with Damar Hamlin. That's where the focus should have been, and not on a football game. Yes, let's go, Jim. Thank you. Let's go. Let's Let's go. go. Reintro something you just did 90 seconds ago, and then I'm just going to speak over it, and then we're going to have an awkward moment where everyone is just really frustrated. That was awesome TV. I'm going to tell you what I think is going on. Um, I think Skip Bayless deserves a massive raise. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. My wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. We've obviously been through shit together. We've got three kids, and, you know, this is one of those situations that's horrible. Uh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll get to Dana White and the story out of Cabo. Justin Watkins coming up here in uh, just a minute. Giveaway time. 364-1100. Caller 7 and 8. 364-1100. We've got tickets to go see Collective Soul on Saturday the 14th. The Pearl inside the Palms the 14th. 364-1100, 364-1100, 364-1100, Collective Soul tickets, caller 7 and 8. Justin is in. Justin Watkins, how are you, buddy? Doing good. Good to be back in town. How are you feeling? 
<laughs> for the second year in a row on New Year's Eve, I come back from my cabin in Brian Head with COVID, although both times I feel fine. Um, maybe you can hear a little something in my voice, but I feel as close to 100% as, as I could. Make sure you get the cabin scoured before you go back up there, just in case. <laughs> That's where I got it. Everybody else who, who was visiting with us probably gave it to me, but uh, two years in a row on New yeah. Year's. Well, we all have the crud. We all have some kind of crud because um, Willie's had it for like a month. I've had it for about a week and a half. So we uh, we soldier on. Life could be rougher. Uh, we could be dealing with, well, in this case, kind of brought it on yourself. Uh, not your COVID, but Dana White in that soundbite on the way back. Uh, just give me your impression of, first of all, the video that we saw and the story that I think is still unfolding. But in some ways, it seems like it's gotten kind of quiet quickly here. But it was a... Um, a violent incident at a nightclub in Cabo. I mean, my my first impression is that because she struck him first, it is making a huge difference in how this is being treated. I don't think it's necessarily a UFC uh, gets away with more, although they probably do, than the other major sports. Um, but the fact that the video caught her initiating the physical contact with the slap is, I think it's just making a huge difference in public perception. Right. Um, it doesn't make a big difference to me. Um, but I think, uh, a lot of people are going to, to not call for his head in this situation because of that fact alone. Well, and it doesn't make it okay, but in terms of the authorities having to press charges, if that's the case, then she, she gets charged first. They both got to get charged. Well, remember, we're dealing with Mexican law here, and I'm not even going to pretend to act like I know what the Mexican laws would be uh, in this situation. But let's just assume that this happened in a Vegas nightclub instead of a Cabo San Lucas nightclub. Okay. Uh, you're right. I don't think that they would charge him. Um, they probably wouldn't charge her either. Uh, but if anybody was going to be charged, it would be her. And would he have to press charges? Let's say he said, no, it's no big deal. <laughs> But could Metro say, no, 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 we're going to charge her with domestic abuse? Certainly they could um, because they have a video. Right. And so you don't need a cooperating witness uh, when you have a video. Now, hit some very crafty attorneys representing both of them could say, listen, you don't know everything that led up to that video. You can't really say for sure that she instigated or he instigated or what happened before. So you don't have enough on that video alone to convict and they're not going to cooperate. Um, and you know, for this kind of offense, most, I think district attorneys would say, okay, um, you know, we're, we're not going to try to move this forward without cooperating witnesses because it is only a snapshot in time. I mean, the video is only 15 seconds long and it looks like clearly they were arguing before she slapped him. There seems to be uh, some instance of him holding onto her wrist or her holding onto his wrist. They were, they were somewhat in altercation before that slap. Justin Watkins is with us. We're talking about the uh, Dana White uh, incident in Cabo. Uh, he got struck by his wife. He struck back. I uh, can't see beyond that if there were any more shots or what the intent was. Um, I saw one Twitter attorney, and I'm saying that, very sarcastically, uh, someone said she attacked first, falls under self-defense. Thankfully, there's camera footage to exonerate Mr. White. Hopefully, she learned her lesson. What do you think of that take? Well, I'm not going to get into the morality of 
<laughs> her learning her lesson part. Um, but again, like I like I just said, it you you can't necessarily try a case just on a ten or fifteen second video where there's clearly an indication that there was something before um, the video started. I mean that that's almost self-evident people don't just record videos well i mean he's a celebrity so maybe they were recording them all the time but more than likely something was going on some kind of tussle um that alerted everybody that something was amiss and they took out their camera and took a video um so i don't think i don't agree that the video exonerates him clearly um, you know, there could be an argument that, like I said, there, he's holding onto her wrists that her, him restraining her in that way that she had the right to defend herself from those holds with a slap. I, I just don't think we have full enough context to say any which party involved is fully exonerated. So let's talk about the moral judging in cases like this. We see an incident where uh, both parties in a uh, in a relationship, have struck each other. Obviously, Dana White has a much you know bigger uh, public image than his his wife does, and has a lot of partnerships out there. I thought this was real interesting. If you can listen here, Justin from Dan Lebetard, who feels like it's already quieting down, and part of that might be the fact that UFC has a you know very tight relationship. Its broadcast partner is ESPN, as uh, Lebetard was. Uh, brainstorming yesterday was kind of spitballing yesterday about what's going to happen. There can't be consequences for it unless the level of outrage stays in a place. He's so powerful, right. so independent, and can even control to a degree the media monster with which he has a partnership that I don't know what the consequences will be to video of you slapping your wife at a party. Okay, this one's interesting because I wanted to look at it from ESPN standpoint. Um, the company doesn't have to do anything. When you run this by legal, do you, cases where you had prior action, where maybe you came down on uh, on someone very hard for maybe the spoken word instead of action like this, is do they have to consider that in handing down a penalty or not handing down a penalty? Well, you always want to be consistent. Um, that's just good practice, so that no one party can say that they were treated differently. Um, you are allowed to treat parties differently, but you're not allowed to treat parties differently based on protected classes. It, all the things we've always talked about, race, religion, sexual orientation, national origin, all of those things. So uh, while Dana White's not in any of those protected classes, somebody prior who may have been terminated or disciplined may be in those protected classes. And when Dana White isn't, uh, reprimanded to the same level that they are, it opens up a claim for them. So the history before and the history after, all that stuff sort of matters to try to prove intent. Here, if I'm legal, I don't know that we can act. Uh, you know, you can very easily say under no circumstances should a man hit a woman. And I understand that. And that's something I live by. Um, but we also, don't forget, we're just, months removed from a situation which we watched a trial about a man who was being hit and being beat and never retaliated and he was bullied for years in Johnny Depp right and some people said in those situations that he should defend himself so um you know while I don't believe in the morality of hitting a woman and you're not going to find me ever advocating for it, or hopefully I'm never doing it or in a situation where I ever feel like I had to do it and I've never done it before. 
Um, but from a legal standpoint, I, I think there is a strong argument that he had the right to defend himself. There's also a strong argument that we don't even know who instigated the where where it all began because the video is so short and it's and it's caught, you know, clearly something happened before. Justin Watkins with us, Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400 is a number. I thought it was really interesting what you said at the beginning, which is uh, in terms of setting policy moving forward. If, say, a month from now there was a high-profile ESPN personality, but, you know, not as high-profile as Dana White, and it's almost an identical thing on video, right? You have uh, a woman instigating the initial action. You respond with a, a shot back. Um, what is ESPN doing, you know, do in a month if this happens, if they didn't do anything here? Again, are they in jeopardy? And then I'll add on to it, what if ESPN went to Dana White in the UFC and explained it to him like, hey, we've got to do something here from an optics standpoint. Also, legally, we're putting ourselves in harm's way by not disciplining you at all. Um, if you were UFC legal, would you be like, no, 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 no. We're not going to agree to that. Dana White is not going to agree to that. Yeah, uh, well, there's a couple of different points number one Dana White doesn't work for for ESPN so he's not an ESPN employee and they don't have the same policies and procedures that apply to their employees that would apply to an outside vendor that's what he is he's an outside vendor right and so uh while how you treat independent contractors outside vendors marketers you know all, all of the promotion companies how you treat all of them is relevant for your employees and showing your intent towards them uh again it doesn't i don't think it creates internal policy just remember if somebody let, let's say now in your example a month from now same situation and let's say the offender is a black man or the person defending himself is a black man and they suspend him. Could he point to the Dana White situation as uh, as evidence to prove the intent to treat black people differently than white people? Sure, sure he could use it. Now, would a jury believe it? Um, knowing that Dana White's not an employee, that's a whole different question, but it would certainly be relevant and it would certainly be admissible. Justin Watkins, stick around. We're going to uh, turn the page on this one. We'll get to some more legal stories Later on, we will hit on uh, the news today that Bobby Petrino, 20 days as the OC for UNLV, is now gone. He has resigned at UNLV and taken a job at Texas A&M. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider, Justin Watkins, to lay down the law. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's continue with Justin Watkins. Willie's here as well. Get to a little Vegas Golden Knights. Justin, you've been, uh, well, you're sick right now, but before you got sick, you've been going to games lately? Yeah, um, not as much as I would like to. Uh, I've been traveling a ton lately, some planned travel and some unplanned travel. Uh, so I haven't been able to get to... Not the last homestand, and and I won't be going, obviously, now, uh, this homestand either. It's got to be a weird team to root for because the product you're getting at home is the polar opposite of what you're seeing on the road, and there's really no way to explain it, but the difference is pretty vast. Well, except for, you know, thankfully, um, you know, the last couple home games, I was they've won three in a row on the at home and lost two in a row on, 
on the road now. So the trend has seemed to flip. They just won the on the last road, five games. Yeah, they just got the abs win, so they broke that short streak on the yeah. road. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Willie, no, that no. You know, it's it is kind of weird. It's odd. You know, some of the guys touched on it today, Bruce, a little bit in terms of just. I think it's just with the it comes with the rigors of the the season. You know, um, the the fact of the matter is they're still number one in the Western Conference. They have dealt with injuries. Um, they're missing two of their top blue liners. They've been missing their most electrifying player. Um, the 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 good thing is is they have guys on the brink of career seasons. That and and the one thing that Bruce pointed out was a lot of the guys that they've had to borrow from the AHL team. They're getting invaluable experience. So in the later parts of the season, if injuries occur and if they need to reach into the grab bag, they have guys that have played up and helped them sustain the number one slot in the Western Conference. There have been games that they've lost they probably should have won. There have been games they've let slip through their fingers. But the fact is, it's sort of been an invaluable learning experience through this first half of the season. Tomorrow marks game 41, which brings them to the midway point. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, I I agree. You got some young guys that, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure all of them stick with not having strong offensive skills necessarily or finishing ability. But there's some impressive young players that have gotten some time now that we haven't seen before. Like I thought, Dorofeyev played well and he had some real chances and and in some dangerous spots when he was up. I mean, Cotter is a regular now, but mm-hmm. he's his game has really advanced. And I think the time has really benefited Amadio for, from a confidence standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, I agree with, with you and, and with what uh, Cassidy's saying. You know, thankfully, through all these injuries, they've been able to hold their head above water and stay in the lead in the Western Conference, albeit a weak conference um, right now. They're still on top. And... Tons of the kids are getting experience. Oh, and Miramanoff has looked good, too. Uh, let's talk the return of Eichel. Hopefully it's a permanent return. First, you, Willie, what difference do you see when Eichel's out there and when he's not out there? Well, I just think that things move a little bit quicker. Things move a little bit faster. Um, and there's probably a little more confidence throughout the forward lines only because your top guy is is out there, your top playmaker, your overall Star. I mean, the guy who's come in. It, it's tough to say that when you're when you consider Mark Stone's been the star for X amount of years. The opening, the inaugural season, it was the misfit line. So I think it's just more comes from a confidence standpoint, and I think that the 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 forward lines move a little bit quicker. The attack through the neutrals, or when that line is out there, um, you know. And, and I don't know. There, I think there's less pressure. It also expands to the third and fourth line where now you have um, talent in terms of William Carlson because you have Chandler Stevenson, you have William Carlson. So now you have three top-quality centers in the lineup. So so that question where what what are we going to do with that third line, when is it going to start producing, because the fourth line has actually been probably a little bit more efficient, um, it helps with the depth as well. Yeah, and I think the this might sound like it's coming out of left field, but the the analytics support me on this. I think where they've missed Eichel a ton is defensively. Yeah, when when it's him and Stevenson and Carlson um, that are on different lines and have the ability to defend in the way that they do. I mean, the analytics support Jack Eichel having one of the best defensive season of any center in the 
in the league right now. And I think that's, you know, I don't think it's it, it, it's coincidental that since he's been out of the lineup, the goals against has gone up. The quality of those chances has gone up. The number of shots has gone up um, because I think Eichel is really bought into Cassidy's system. And I think he plays it super well so that all those dangerous chances from the other opposing team's first and second line, they're not there. They're shooting from the outside. They're They're low quality chances. Justin Watkins with us. All right. Halfway mark of the season. Justin, first your impression of are they where they should be? What are you worried about? They're 26, 12, and 2. They're ahead of where I thought that they were going to be. You know, I mean, I thought they were going to be competing for the Pacific. I thought they would be somewhere in that two to three range as they, you know, understood Cassidy's system, as they got to where they wanted to be. Um, and I was hoping for a clean bill of health. Haven't had that. Um, not by a long shot. And with the injuries we had, my expectations were significantly lowered. So I'm as a fan, I'm happy. First place in the Western Conference, tons of injuries they've dealt with. They should be getting guys back for the second half. Um, and the schedule is much more favorable down the stretch now with much more day, many more days of rest than they've had um, in the first half. So, you know, I'm hopeful. They, one of the areas of the biggest concerns um, coming into the season was the power play. It was something that struggled mightily, right, um, when they were in the playoffs uh, the year before, and they didn't make the playoffs last year, um, largely because of the injuries, but also with some inefficiencies. They are currently ninth in the NHL, converting at a 25% rate tied with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and I think that that is something that I don't think it necessarily goes overlooked by a lot, but it's something that we forget was very much needed improvement. And I think that it's it tells a lot. And I think the personnel that this team um, has and the health has helped on the power play. Um, I think the the somewhat incredible play when Carlson and Riley Smith are on the ice in a shorthanded situation, obviously, um, has been tremendous. So I think special teams has really jump-started this team as well, or bolstered it, I should say. Um, but you're right, Justin, the defense was much needed, and there's been improvement. Um, a lot to do with the forwards getting them involved, and you're right, uh, going back to Jack Eichel. It, it, they, I think they both play into each other's system. I think Eichel was tailor-made for Bruce Cassidy, and Bruce Cassidy was tailor-made for Jack Eichel, and it's been a fantastic marriage. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to come back tomorrow night. It hasn't been confirmed. He skated today in a regular jersey. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be a big game against the Pittsburgh Penguins because they are, you know, they're, they're an improved team as well. Yeah, and I just want to jump on that. I, uh, great points uh, there, Willie. I agree. The special teams this year is just, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but so much more watchable. Um, and the percentages, you know, you want to combine penalty kill and power play percentage somewhere, you know, close to 100, 95 to 100. We're over 100 now. Uh, I think they're at 102 or 103. Uh, you know, top 15 for both. The penalty kill was, you know, not great early on for stretches, but as of late has been fantastic. I mean, when you kill off five penalties against uh, Colorado, that that's saying something. Um, they, they've been much improved the last, I'll say, 10 or 12 games. 
And so I, th- I think that moving forward, those special teams are going to contribute to a lot more victories. 766-1400 is the number. Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Justin Watkins, sticks with us for a, a couple more minutes, and we will get into uh, any you know legal issues with college coaches bouncing around early or bouncing out of a contract early in their tenure. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. That may just be the way it is. It counts as a no contest, and you go on from there. The other scenario would be that there is a week in which the Pro Bowl skills competition is scheduled. So if the NFL needed to find a cushion in the schedule to push things back one week, if that's what it ultimately decided, that would be the week it would have to play around with. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Schefter talking about what the NFL could do. We need a decision here. You know, what's happening with DeMar Hamlin is incredibly sad, and we all want to find out, you know, what the latest is, but... National Football League has to make a decision here, and whether that makes you uncomfortable or not, that's that's on you. If you're listening, um, they need to figure out what the plan is. And I think the latter part of what Schefter said, but not with a whole lot of specifics there, should be the plan. Justin Watkins is with us. He's one of our voices of reason. Justin, you still with us? I hope so. Yes, you are. You are. All right. So... Um, I thought Mike Florio came up with a really good suggestion, and it gets a little convoluted here, but you would shelve this Bills-Bengals game for now because you do have to play it at some point. And I know everyone got emotional the last couple days, like, it doesn't matter. It matters, and so does DeMar Hamlin. But it matters for you know a true entirety of a season, and they have some options here. Florio came up with a plan that, the first week of the playoffs would be that Bengals-Bills game played along with the NFC playoffs. The AFC would be off. You push the AFC back a week. Then you get back on schedule, and as Schefter just said, sucks for us here in Vegas where we've got whatever the Pro Bowl is going to be, but that week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, that's where that extra week goes. It seems pretty simple to me. What do you think, Willie? I I agree um, wholeheartedly. I there used to be a week, Steve, where it used to be a time when we were falling in love with sports that uh, there was no week between, and the Pro Bowl came after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and players that participated in the Super Bowl participated in the Pro Bowl. So, in this instance, in this case, if that's what you have to do, then. That's what you have to do. You push things right? back. But you agree they have to play this game. They like have the to, la- the they stuff have the last to couple the days. I like I understand it's an incredibly sad situation and we certainly don't want to find out anytime soon that the worst has happened and the young man has passed away. But you do have to complete the season right. and they have outlets to get it done uh, because there is by not playing the game there really is no fair outcome on that front. Right. And and reading down the the you know the schedule for today's show. We're going to touch upon some thoughts that I have, but I mean, and I don't want to jump the gun, Steve, but the bottom line is this. 
God forbid, and I'm not going to put, I'm not going to throw anybody else out there because I would never do that. I, 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 I'm, you know, I don't like speaking things into existence, so I'll put it on me. But God forbid, I drop. You're gonna, you're gonna stop the show for a couple of weeks. Show goes on. We feel, we feel bad for Willie. We're gonna check in with his, with Jordan, his mom. Well, Steve might not. All right, would. But bottom line is, and I mean to sound that harsh and cruel. That could come across however you guys want to take it, but at some point, business has to go on, and you can still care about somebody. And which I and, and we'll elaborate even further on this later on, which I'm not gonna I'm gonna wait to say what I have to say because I I I, I pray for this young man, I pray for his mother who had to watch that. But there are some extenuating circumstances that a lot of people better start considering when it comes to things like this. Yeah, just to uh, read you, so maybe it's a little more clear, uh, the plan could be Week 18 proceeds as scheduled. The following weekend, NFC wildcard games would be played along with the Bills and the Bengals. The next weekend, the AFC wildcard games would be played. The NFC then would have a bye week, and then you have to push everything back a week. Seems to make sense to me. Listen, I, you know, when I said it's simple, it's not simple. Obviously, there are venue concerns. They're going to have to figure all of that out. I don't know what happens with TV start times. It, it, yeah, it gets complicated, but these are situations that unfortunately arise sometimes. This one is about as horrific as it gets. So, I didn't get to really get into your reaction on Bobby Petrino. Going bye-bye, if you're just tuning in, Petrino leaves UNLV. He was the OC for 20 days. When he got hired, there were people who were like, whoa, I'm never rooting for UNLV again. Um, UNLV fans, in large part, are so desperate to win that they were willing to overlook the Petrino warts. And now you've got a situation where they've been burned. I don't know what the salary of Petrino is going to be at Texas A&M. I'm sure it's $800,000 plus. He was going to make around three hundred or three twenty-five dollars as the OC of UNLV. You know, if you just step back, you're like, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation, but what do you want him to do? He's 61. He gets his salary tripled. He gets to go to the SEC. I mean, ideally what you'd like him to do is turn down the job, stick to his word, make less money, play out this year, coach out this year, and then maybe that opportunity comes. But we know, in Bobby Petrino's case, in his history, he's going to do what he wants to do, whether the timing is right or not. I want to know how many recruits in the last 20 days, forget about just because of him, but in light of him joining the staff, when Barry Odom says, well, look who we have on to these offensive recruits, and look who we just got, look what he's done. Oh, man, Barry Odom and Bobby Trino, but he's going to be running the office. Okay, now what? By the way, how about in-house? The people that stay. I'm sure they've done a really hard sell yeah. because right now, and I still think the portal is going to be filled with several UNLV players moving forward. It, it wasn't like initially everyone got kind of slapped in the face because it appeared that four or five starters could be on their way out. Uh, Aiden Robbins is off to BYU. Lee Fontenot, the center, is off to Arizona State. Noah Williams is going to Cal. Kyle Williams hasn't announced anything, which I think is interesting. And then uh, one of the freshmen who didn't get to play last year, a true freshman, Noah McKinney, signed up with Oklahoma State. But that initial tide was stemmed. I wonder how many people, especially on offense, were pitched Bobby Petrino, and now it's like, hey, 
there's going to be someone someone in here uh, who's not Bobby Petrino. But you're right on the on the recruits thing. Um, they did they did get a commit from a kid just a couple of days ago, a quarterback out of Florida, a kid named Blake Boda, and he was recruited at Missouri State by Petrino. So clearly, Petrino liked him a lot, recommended him to Barry Odom. He committed to UNLV. So now he's kind of caught in an area where he's got to make a decision. I was told by where multiple is he from? Florida. I was told by well, his offers were South Florida, Missouri State, and UNLV so far. Now that doesn't mean that as things move along, because of the attention he got by being recruited by you know a little higher level schools that other people don't jump in. I was told today that UNLV. This is by multiple. Sources, uh, UNLV will honor his commitment. Like, they're not going to bail on him just because Petrino is gone. Um, and the kid's kind of in a holding pattern. We're actually we're going to get one of his reps, one of his coaches on tomorrow to talk more about it. But it's a, that's, like, the reaction I saw from a lot of people today was like, well, to be expected, move on. Like, no, it's not a move-on situation. There's a lot of things, even though he was only here for 20 days, there's a lot of things that have gone down the last three weeks that now need to be addressed moving forward. And that includes a kid who said, hey, I'm, I'm coming out to Vegas from Florida for him. Right. And I, the reason I said, Why? where's he from again? Florida. Where is that? ACC, ACC country. So obviously well familiar with, you'd think, Bobby Petrino. So in doing so, yes, there's um, – and I don't know about donations or donors either, but when you get a guy like that, how many boosters, how many donations, how much money do we know? Do we have a record? I mean, that's public record, but I mean, do we have there been any monetary commitments from people who said, wow, okay, Barry Odom went and landed Bobby Petrino. I'm in. Count me in for half a mil. Count me in for this. Count me out for the quarter mil. Whatever. Whatever it is. Hmm. Season ticket packages. People, okay, this guy's for real. Because it was one thing with Barry Odom. You were hit or miss whether you had to. I would guesstimate that 75% of UNLV football fans had to sort of Google and read up on who Barry Odom was. I would have to say that 90% of college football fans like him or love him or agree with whatever his background, they know who Bobby Petrino is. So when that's made, they're going to people, the sales reps are calling, hey, do you want to re up on your season ticket package? Hey, Christmas time, buy that, you know, whatever. There's a lot of moving parts beyond football also, business-wise, marketing-wise, donor-wise, season ticket-wise, that could have gone into the 20 days that Bobby Petrino, because realistically, that's the biggest name that was a part of UNLV football. So let's talk loyalty. Uh, Petrino has some issues with it. He, he goes when he wants to go and where he wants to go. We played some of the David Carr, Derek Carr defense yesterday. Mm. I want to fire this bite because I concentrated on the end of the bite and I didn't focus on the beginning of the bite. And you want to focus on the beginning of the bite? Derek Carr has he's said for a long time that I'm only going to play for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Raiders or no one else. So that's loyalty. So he was fully invested. Six head coaches. Khalil Mack gets traded. Mari Cooper is shipped off. John Gruden gets fired midseason. He's going through all this turmoil, right? He never called out a coach, never called out the organization, never called out the top brass in the organization. Yeah, yesterday I concentrated on never calling people out. I think he actually has called out many people, but through, you know, behind the scenes, back channels. Or but you crying got... on the lectern without naming anyone. Right. Yeah. But you got stuck on the loyalty thing. Yes. And I hadn't even put it together. What strikes you as not being very loyal? Um, can we go to Indianapolis real quick? Did Matt Ryan, when he got benched, did he leave the team? 
No, okay. Um, when Darren Waller was going to Aces games and during the playoffs and the playoff crunch and his girl was playing, didn't he get sweated for not attending a preseason game? Loyalty. Why isn't Derek Carr with the team? What is the deal? 